Welcome to the ESG Academy, where the Hogan Lovells team quickly but thoroughly shares critical insights on key ESG issues that in-house counsel need to know. Today's episode covers a complex moving target, hard law, soft law, crowd reg and voluntary standards. Your hosts are Jochen Seitz from our Frankfurt office, a capital markets partner with a particular focus on EU regulation and green bond issuances. Jochen will be speaking with Adrian Walker, the leader of our ESG practice, who has spent virtually his entire career using the law to make the world a better place. Hi, Adrian. Can you tell us a bit about the landscape? What has been happening in the space and what is CrowdRag? Yeah, of course. I think we've got a lot of different types of rules and laws here, right? We've got hard law, soft law, right through to CrowdRag. But I think it's quite good to start with the purpose of law, which is really about setting common um, societal standards uh, and saying what we're going to hold people accountable to. And law's not set in a vacuum, and there's been some big changes going on in recent years. You've got the fast-developing environmental movement. Uh, we've got big social inclusion issues. You've got changing ESG values at a political voter behaviour level. And you've got some quite dramatic changes in consumer demand. And I think these have sat alongside a kind of another change that interplays with that, which is purpose-led business and the rise of risk related to all of these factors. I think all of that are setting some new societal norms and there are three really big effects of this. The first is uh, changes in purchasing power. What's been happening is that people and especially millennials and the generations after that have really been buying products and services which align with their values. And this is a huge demand pull factor for business. And then there's this huge push factor, which is really linked to the rise of technology and the rise of the smartphone. And what's really happened there is there's a new regulator in town, if you like, the crowd. And that's why we coined the term crowd reg. And the crowds love talking about their consumer products, but they love talking about their values. And if they see businesses or products that don't align with that, they call it out through social media and they can wipe out billions from a company's market capitalization within a morning of tweets. And we've seen many, many examples. So that's crowd reg. The second big change is really political change. And broadly across many spectrums in many jurisdictions, we've seen a kind of lean to green. The third uh, I would pull out, and this this is really the heart of, of what we're talking about, is governments are pushing this through a new rule book. And you can call this the, the Green Commandments. And it's a prescriptive approach. It's governments taking all of those trends and accelerating them by setting some, some hurdles, forcing businesses to disclose and be transparent and meet standards, but also creating some push factors by using the law to build more favourable markets that advance ESG. So I, th I think my takeaway from that is that Many people think this area of rules and law is about compliance, but I think it's really appreciating another factor, and that there are these rich background drivers. And if you don't appreciate you these and you just tr treat it as a compliance area, you're really missing out because it's really about using your compliance program to drive corporate performance. 
and meet these opportunities. It is certainly helpful to understand the broader context, but can you tell us also something of about the different types of laws and new rules? How do they look like? Yeah, I think you've, you've kind of got a hierarchy here, and I'd say the highest level was what we've described as crowd reg, because that's really what we used to call culture, common societal standards. It's powered by smartphone and social media now, but that's really what we're talking about. And then under that, what we've seen in the last 20 years is the development of what we call soft law. And what we're really talking about is multilateral global standards there. And the the sort of grandmother of these are the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. But you have a whole series of other soft standards covering climate in more detail, and a whole host of things, human rights, the global compact, and so on. Quite often they're non-binding in nature, but they tend to drive other laws and they can have indirect legal effect in creating tortious standards. Below that, you've got hard law, national law, pretty well understood, tends to be more prescriptive. And then under that, you've got corporate policy or voluntary standards aimed at complying with with the hard law and the soft law, but also developing brand, driving performance in the way that I've said, contracts doing the same. And probably the big issue around all of this is complexity and navigating the national versus the global uh, issue in terms of those standards. So Joachim, finance is the really big lever that governments have been looking to pull to drive ESG performance. And we, we really saw that at COP. What's your experience on how this area is rolling out and particularly in the EU, which has very much been on the regulatory lead here? In the EU, we saw the emergence or we see the emergence of more and more hard law in the ESG space. To take one step back, the EU has committed itself to be one of the pioneers on ESG and sustainable finance. Key milestones were the EU Commission's sustainable finance agenda in 2018 and the EU Green Deal in 2019. From the beginning, the EU put a particular emphasis on the role of the financial sector, as you've pointed out, Adrian. The aim is to direct money from investors to sustainable investments. So since 2018-19, the EU legislator has implemented several legislative measures with the EU taxonomy regulation in the center and a comprehensive disclosure framework for financial market participants and non-financials and corporates. So in the EU, we have a distinction between level one legislative acts and level two legislative acts. Level one legislative acts are decided by parliament and council and many of those level one legislative acts have entered into force already. However, in addition, there are level two acts which set details, which are of course for practice very relevant, and these are still work in progress. So we have many requirements under the EU. So at the moment, many requirements under the EU sustainable finance framework are not applicable yet because the level two acts are still outstanding. However, what we can see is that the regulatory framework changes substantially. I have been in the business of EU regulation for many years, but EU taxonomy regulation and the technical screening criteria as included in delegated acts, level two acts, the disclosure requirements under the EU disclosure regulation and the integration of sustainability factors into the MIFID framework 
it's one of the most challenging projects of the EU regulators so far. So with this on, on, the, on the EU and particularly on sustainable finance, Adrian, let's, let's have a broader view and a broader context. Maybe can you give us some some examples on other areas of law. Yes, of course. And we've got deeper dives on pretty much all of these topics in, in forthcoming podcasts. But at a helicopter view, I'd sort of start with corporate purpose. And we've got a whole range of law and new rules coming out there, essentially requiring companies to focus not just on financial returns, but on a clear articulation um, of their societal purpose and, and really following through on that. Um, we've got regulatory guidance and requirements in the UK for premium listed, and, and that will evolve. Um, in the US, you had a kind of crowd reg with the business roundtable statement uh, a year or two back about purposeful business and stakeholder approaches. And I think the new SEC regulations that are coming out across a range of topics are going to be a, a real game changer. So there's a lot going on there and across Europe too. If you drop a tier down from corporate purpose, you're really in the area of governance um, and linked to that remuneration of directors. And here again, we're seeing best practice, usually underpinned by regulatory law or guidance, essentially telling companies that people expect to see clear responsibility for ESG, clear accountability and clear systems of incentive for directors, preferably flowed down through the company, driving the right approach. And you see this again in a range of, of regulations, UK through to the US, you've got new Swiss Equality Act and, and, and many, many more versions of that by industry sector. You talked a bit about the the, the financial disclosure, uh, Jochen, and there's a whole host of other legislation around emissions. I think it's becoming increasingly complex. Uh, you've got big bodies of EU law, but law and new laws coming coming out pretty much in every other jurisdiction. And then I think alongside that, as we mentioned earlier, you've got different kinds of law which are really about creating more positive business environments. Think emissions trading schemes, you've got the EU trading scheme, you've got different schemes in Korea, Canada, Japan and, uh, and other places. So a host of new law coming there. And then again in uh, another big area, business and human rights, the law there has been fairly well established for a long time. And what you're seeing now is that law being built out through new sanctions law in the EU, new due diligence laws in the EU and in the UK, statements from Biden uh, committing to put HR, uh, sorry, human rights issues at the heart of, of foreign policy. So we're going to see a lot more across that. And I think what we see particularly is companies being asked to take more of a role as regulators of their supply chain and being required to be transparent on that and really drive the agenda. And then you've got everything else from woke washing to single plastic use to new laws on public procurement in and ESG content in it. So a real tsunami of new legislation um, following those big buckets of topic. So that's a lot of law to get for people to get their minds around. Jochen, I was wondering, do you see any anything in terms of risk by creating too much law in this area? What about sort of innovation and risk coming from that itself? Um, Adrian, I think this is a this is a very good point. Yeah, 
I think everybody asks for strong governance and measures to reduce, in particular, this risk of greenwashing. That's particularly important in the sustainable finance space. Yeah, investors want to have certainty on what kind investments they make. However, if the regulatory framework is too rigid or is not appropriate to address certain risks, innovation may be harmed and market participants may try to avoid regulation, for example, by doing business in other jurisdictions. And I have a good example for that. <laughs> and, and the example is the EU Green Bond Standard. Uh, the European Commission has proposed this standard in July this year. Uh, the EU legislator is here some kind of the front runner. Uh, the Commission has chosen to apply a so-called voluntary approach. The issuers of green bonds can decide to apply the standard and then they get the label of an EU green bond. Again, this label of an EU green bond with high standards is supposed to increase confidence of investor. The problem, however, is that the EU green bond standard as proposed by the EU Commission, goes far beyond the industry standards common so far, in particular the ICMA Green Bond principles. This is why it may not be attractive for investors to opt in and at the end of the day may undermine this overall game to increase the standards applicable in the markets. I think this example shows if there's too much regulation or not appropriate regulation, um, there may be arbitration, there may be less innovation, And it shows also that the international harmonization is very important in this respect. I, I completely agree, Jochen. What else do you see uh, looking into the future, though? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, we will see more laws. <laughs> it's no surprise, yeah. In the EU, it's mainly the work on the outstanding level two measures, yeah, that are still supposed to be finalized and published and become applicable. So it's a lot about the calibration of these new measures. Another thing I think that's, uh, if we look into the future, is very important. It's also this kind of international harmonization and alignment of provisions. Yeah, So it's good that, as you mentioned, Adrian, that the Biden administration or and the SEC are driving also new initiatives on ESG disclosure. And also in the UK, of course, the British government is also very active in this area. And I think... Yeah, with these new rules in place over the next one, two or three years, I think that really that capital markets can play a crucial role in this ESG process. And uh, I think the voluntary standards and hard law will become much more sophisticated over the coming years. But Adrian, what do you think? Well, Joachim, what I've noticed in recent years is that different themes resonate at different times. Um, and you've, you know... A year or so back, everyone wanted to talk about single-use plastics and then they've come back round on emissions. And all these issues are so important, but they resonate more strongly in different cultures and, and at different times. So I think that's going to continue. And we've seen a bit of a pivot in, in Glasgow at COP26 to a focus on forests and, and biodiversity. And that aligns with the new task force on nature-related financial disclosure, which I think we're going to see as a real theme coming through at, at all levels of society and corporates. And we're, we're a founder member of that task force. So that's going to be interesting work. As you say, a, a tsunami of new regulation, and we can help listeners on that. And I think on top of that, I sort of go back to a theme early on that it's complicated. You've got to be legally compliant, 
But I think the future is all about driving corporate performance and using kind of the global rule book of hard and soft law to help companies drive positive culture and brand, to help them drive uh, increased demand and align their products and services with that, retain talent and mitigate enterprise risk. So not thinking it in terms of a risk and a downside compliance issue, but seeing it as that upside revenue and talent opportunity. Thank you. Thank you also for my side. Thanks so much to Adrian and Jochen for today's discussion. Visit our ESG site on hoganlovels.com for additional podcasts, videos and resources. Or download more episodes from the Apple Podcast app or the Google Podcast app for Android users.